This episode is brought to you in part by Jiminy's, maker of sustainable dog food made with cricket protein. Cricket protein is a superfood, delicious, nutritious, sustainable, humane, and prebiotic. To learn more and save 20% off your first purchase, go to Jiminy's.com AMR and use code AMR20 at checkout. Curology makes powerful personalized skincare formulas prescribed by real licensed dermatology providers. Go to curology.com slash AMR for a free 30-day trial. Just pay $4.95 shipping and handling. I see you. Warby Parker makes high-quality, stylish, and affordable glasses that start at only $95. To try five pairs of glasses at home for free, go to warbyparker.com slash AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by a very upbeat Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hello, hello, everybody. Merry, happy, Felice, all those things. <laughs> yes, yes. It's starting to feel like the holiday season here. I had um, my book group met last evening and we did, they call it White Elephant. Um, being from Connecticut, I call it Yankee Swap. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I've never heard that term Yankee Swap. Yeah, you no, I've always heard um, White Elephant for sure. Oh, yeah, that's funny. It's like, you know, tag sale, garage sale. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd Flea you market. get? What'd you give and what'd you get? So they say that the limit can be $25, but also regifting's totally fine. You know, that being the white, oftentimes what people do for White Elephant. Yeah. And I have gotten better about getting rid of stuff, um, either like giving it to the Vietnam Veterans of America, they come around and pick stuff up or this um, thing called Ridwell. And so I was like, I'm just going to go and buy something. So I bought these, um, this really high-end she-she, of course, it's Portland, um, caramels that had um, black Himalayan sea salt or something oh, wow. on them. And so, and they were in really nice packaging and everything like that. So anyway, I brought that and I, I know that Molly loves caramel. So I t- I'm like, choose the yellow package with the red paper inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> so she got that and was able to keep it. So then also the, um, the organizer of the book club was, she forgot to bring like paper or some way that we could determine who, you know, who went first and all that. So she was like, Oh, let's do it by birthdays. And I'm like, ah, my birthday's in March. Like I, that that means I go early. I want to be able to like, see what's been open. I'm like, no, let's go by the first letter of your first name. (laughs) Wow. Always breaking the system. Always working the system. So so I was sitting next to a woman named Tawny and she's like, oh, I second that. I second that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. But I feel like, um, I mean, those caramels sound delicious. I feel like white almond is supposed to be kind of a gag, huh? Or is it not? Well, you know, but I kind of feel in keeping with the, like, let's not put any more garbage out into the world. Yeah, I agree. You know, I just, am like, I'm going to get something and and then it also goes away. You know, exactly. It's consumable. It's called a consumable. Yes. You recycle the, you know, the cardboard tubey thing that it comes in. It's all gone in, you know, a couple of days time. So anyway, so that's a, that's a good idea. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, um, and so I got to see, I would say, I think only, um, I don't know, maybe like six people had gone before me. And so I ended up taking funny enough, the, um, only part of the gift that Molly had brought. And it is just this weird thing. It is this small book of 30 postcards that 
are all, they all are um, like spoofs on covers of famous novels, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Of Mice and Men, um, A Streetcar Named Desire, but they all feature James Franco, the actor. Oh, that's so bizarre. A disgraced actor. And um, so, um, or the canceled actor, I should say. And so that, you know, they're very stylized. They're super hip. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many friends that would love these and be equally perplexed by them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right up your alley. It sounds yeah. like a win-win. Yeah. So I took that. And then also the woman next to me got, um, a lot of people had a lot of things in, you know, so they didn't just bring one thing like I did, but they brought several things. And, um, the woman next to me had gotten a bag with really high-end olive oil. And then this box of six or eight, I think it was eight, um, candies, like sugar candies that were made by a 3d printer. And oh, so geez. they were really cool looking, like yeah. very bright and, and each of them look very different. And, you know, so, um, obviously they were 3d. And so one of them looked like one of those, um, it's not Nacho Libra. It's, um, those, you know, those masks that Mexican wrestlers wear, Another sure. one looked like um, kind of like a modern day Rubik's cube that had a couple pieces missing from it on purpose. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, John would, my son, John would love that. It's, you know, it seemed kind of modern and slightly Japanese and so like very cutting edge. So I brought, so she was like, she doesn't have her kids are out of the house. And she's like, oh, I could tell she was like, Meh, I don't want these. And I'm like, Psst, can I have your 3D candies? <laughs> <laughs> Trade it for my Franco postcards or I'll give you a Franco postcard. Yeah, right. I'll send you one as a thank yeah. you note. How's that? So I've already mailed off a, um, a James Franco postcard to my um, BFF Chalkley. Um, it's one, it's um, forgetting the name of the book, but it's by Patty Smith, the musician. And um, so, and Chalkley loves Patty Smith. She's seen her several times in concert. So- <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. I love yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so if any, I don't know, you've been getting any um consumables? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, you know, we're still. Uh, there was a couple. You know, we have traditional neighborhood parties that um, uh -huh. are not going on. Uh -huh. White elephant. One mm -hmm. of them was what was white elephant. Um, mm -hmm. but um, last night I got to go see Ben. Uh, who's 15 now, he's a sophomore, um, singing in um, a choir concert, a holiday concert. And uh, the funny thing is, is he was wearing um, a couple of years ago at the White Elephant gift I got, um, or the party I got, a, an ugly Christmas sweater. Um, <laughs> and I was like, and then Amelia's worn it. And now Ben wore it last night for one of the numbers. And it was like, it's perfect. It's like, again, like, yeah, is it, you know, probably going to go into the landfill at some point? Yes. But, um, but it's definitely gotten it's, it's good use. So that was fun. So that, 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 that ties it. There's the theme right there. Oh my gosh. And they did not sing that Africa song that. I, oh, no, I didn't sing. So no, yeah, no, no, they sang, um, but they did do, oh gosh. So they did a mandolin. So she did this whole thing about how they're coming in with a mandolin and it's this very, you know, traditional thing from the Renaissance and, you know, really pay attention to the beat and all that stuff. And then they ended up singing, um, tell me what you want, what you really, really want from the Spice Girls. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yes. um, you know, sing, sing, ah, you know, the acapella version oh, of yes, it. Yeah, doing all the sounds with their mouth instead of instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so fun. And it's so fun because, um, you know, I, we, I played, I was in the band. Um, Amelia didn't really, band, yeah. yeah, not really, but, um, Amelia was, uh, 
I don't think she really did much music. And anyway, choir was not one of our things. Like Ben has definitely worked to be um, where he is singing wise. Cause I don't think he's gifted very well with, um, I know he's not gifted genetically with our voices. And, uh, and it's so fun because at that level, you know, the kids are so into the music. It is just mm-hmm. so fun. To, I mean, it's probably like John and dance. Like they just love it, you know, and mm-hmm. they can, you can see them kind of dancing and moving mm-hmm. their hands and really, you know, and they, um, one thing that they do really well at all the concerts at, at this high school is they explain the song a little bit before, oh, uh-huh. which, which helps, you know, like whether it's band or required, they say, this is from this, whatever, here's where it came from. And we've got a, like they did, um, deck the halls with a, a seventh, eighth, seven eighths beat oh. instead of the, norm. I, I can't, you know, this is going too deep into the weeds for me, but it's, it's harder to sing. Right. And this is why, and you hear the different rhythms and stuff. And so, I don't know, it was just really, and it was nice to be at a holiday concert, even though everyone was masked, but, um, including the singers, (laughs) a little lesson along with some entertainment. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, um, so cookie decorating parties are a tradition that we have each followed in our own families over the years as uh, listeners of the podcast will remember longtime listeners. And um, I don't think we haven't done it in a couple of years. Do you all still do it? We are going to do it. Yes. Oh, and I think uh-huh. we did it. Um, I can't remember if we did it last year or not. I mean, everything was such a Amelia was reminding me last year, like our Thanksgiving last year as we went for a hike and I think we did like DIY pizzas or something. I can't even remember. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of a blur. I mean, we probably did it, but we probably did it small. Um, Uh I I don't even know, but yes, but this year we are going to do it. Um, We're going to do it. Um, Amelia comes back from college her first semester. She is almost to that finish line uh, on Wednesday. Um, Uh And then uh, uh, the 20th, we're going to have... some of her friends over, some of Ben's, his drama and singing friends over and mm-hmm. um, maybe a couple of neighborhood friends. So changing it a little bit, it's going to be at like five o'clock instead of at like, you know, used to be at like 1030 in the morning. So then you can have a nap afterwards, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get everyone really sugared up and then bring them down. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. I have not, like I said, I haven't really hit the spirit quite yet. So um, so we need to get a tree and um, uh-huh. I need to bake some cookies. I did uh-huh. buy um uh-huh three bags of Hershey kisses. So I'm all ready for the peanut butter kiss cookies. I just need to actually do them. <laughs> you keep and blink- I have, go blink- ahead, Sarah. You keep blinking your eyes and they don't magically appear. I know, I know. Well, the good news is I have not broken into the Hershey kisses. I have oh. broken in. We use a uh, Skippy peanut butter, which is not my peanut butter of choice uh-huh. um, when I make a PB and J or something. Uh-huh. Um, so I have broken into the Skippy for the, <laughs> that I use for the cookies, but not the, not the chocolate. Maybe uh, my tastes are changing. I don't know. <laughs> Showing some restraint there, Dimity. I like Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> well, uh, baking leads us into our guest today, who is Rachel Wyman a triathlete and mother runner of three famous for making donuts. Um, Thanks to the New York Times, the Food Network, and the gushing of numerous celebrities, Rachel's Bread and Donut Shop in Montclair, New Jersey, is beloved for its baked and fried creations. Rachel shares her story and more than 65 recipes in her new book, Will Run for Donuts, which is part cookbook, part memoir. We'll talk donuts and more after this break. Stick around. Somewhere out there, I'm convinced there's a Venn diagram showing a lot of overlap between runners, dog owners, and people taking steps to improve the environment. If you're like me and you're one of those folks who tick all three of those boxes, consider feeding your dog food and treats made from cricket protein. Yep, you heard me right, cricket protein. It uses less land and water to produce, and it drastically eliminates greenhouse gas emissions compared to traditional animal protein dog food. 
Enter Jiminy's, nutritious and sustainable food and treats for your dog. Made with cricket protein and delicious plant-based ingredients like sweet potatoes, oats, peanut butter, and flax. Insect protein is an amazing sustainable protein source. One five ounce bag of Jiminy's treats saves 220 gallons of water versus traditional animal protein types. And if you have an average sized dog, switching from a chicken based diet to an insect based diet saves 480,000 gallons of water per year. Wow. Get a load of these facts. Crickets are raised in cricket condos inside barns, which allow them to live in a way that's as close as possible as they would live in the natural world. Harvesting time comes near the end of their natural life cycle, which is in approximately six weeks. My French bulldog, Augie, loves Jiminy's cricket crave food. Augie isn't a super hearty eater, but when his bowl has Jiminy's in it, he gobbles with gusto. I also appreciate that Jiminy's is good for food sensitive dogs with allergies. To learn more and save 20% on your first purchase, go to Jiminy's.com AMR and use code AMR20 at checkout. That's J-I-M-I-N-Y-S dot com slash AMR with code AMR20. Jiminy's.com slash AMR with code AMR20. Love the skin you're in. Curology makes powerful, personalized skincare formulas prescribed by real licensed dermatology providers. As a master's age runner who spends a lot of time outside, I appreciate that Curology can address anti-aging needs. With your customized Curology formula, it can help improve collagen production, boost skin cell turnover, and improve the appearance of age spots and fine lines. That's been my experience with the customized Curology products. To get your custom treatment plan, head to the Curology website to answer a few simple questions about your skin and send a couple of selfies to Curology. Next, Curology will match you with a licensed dermatology provider who will get to know your skin. After evaluating and determining if it's a good fit, they'll customize a prescription cream for your needs. After that, your formula arrives in the mail. No office visit, no copay. And you can adjust your formula as your skin changes. I was amazed by how effective my trio of Curology products was. A gentle cleanser, a rich moisturizer, and an amazing custom formula, which went to work minimizing fine lines and dark spots. I've always been self-conscious about having blotchy skin, but the custom formula noticeably evened out my skin tone. And after a few months, I consulted with a Curology dermatology provider who increased the strength of the formula so I'd see continued results. I'm now truly a satisfied and loyal Curology customer. Do what I did and make the switch to Curology today. Go to curology.com AMR for a free 30-day trial. Just pay $4.95 shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y dot AMR to unlock your free 30-day trial. You can also check Curology.com for all the details. As someone who wore glasses as a child, I have to make up for those years of wearing less than cute glasses. Now that I wear readers more and more, Warby Parker sets me up in style. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Warby Parker serves up so many options that project cool and confidence, and you can play around with what fits your face, personality, and lifestyle with Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for five days. It costs you nothing with no obligation to buy anything. Here's how I found my perfect pair. I took the fun, simple quiz on Warby Parker's site, then perused the suggested styles. I knew I wanted plastic frames in a slightly unique color. Like I said, I have some making up to do after spending my elementary school years in boring glasses. Read fugly. All five styles I chose had a similar shape, but were varying sizes and colors. 
the box of my five choices showed up quickly and I had loads of fun trying them on. I adore the style I chose, called Welty in Violet Magnolia, a tortoiseshell frame shot through with rich streaks of purple. I shipped all five tester frames back with the included prepaid label, placed my order, and within days I had my hip readers with blue light filtering lenses. Boom! To try five pairs of glasses at home for free, go to warbyparker.com slash AMR. That's five pairs of glasses at home for free by going to W-A-R-B-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R.com slash AMR. Warbyparker.com slash AMR. Well, thank you for joining us, Rachel. It's great to talk to you. It's It's been nearly a decade, I know, since we first met at an AMR party in Philly and a few years since you ran into Dimity at a running trade show. So good to be chatting with you. Yes, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I just wish that we had like, I, I just wish we were in person so we could just have like plates of pastries around us. That's my only, my only uh, complaint about the show. <laughs> I know. You know what? It's especially hard when you're teaching virtual classes too. And then you have like tables full of donuts and no one to share them. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, I guess I'll have another. Yeah, um, not a bad problem yeah. to have for you, but for us it is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we know you that you trained for your first marathon, New York City, using one of our train like a mother club plans. Um how did that debut marathon go for you? And talk a little bit about kind of how you got to the New York City Marathon, what your running background was before that. Oh my gosh. So I was the kid that would like hide behind the school and smoke cigarettes and ditch my gym <laughs> class. Um, so, you know, not, not a runner at all. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I was, I, I participated in sports when I had to, but definitely not athletic. And um, that being said, I, you know, lifting 50 pound bags of flour in the bakery isn't easy. Um, and after I had my third baby, I started going to strength training classes and built up some endurance. So then when I tried to run for the first time, I, I was actually able to physically. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I went out with a few friends and, um, and they said, you know, if you want to keep running, the best thing to do is sign up for a race because it'll keep you motivated to, you know, to keep going out every day and training. So naturally I signed up for a half marathon <laughs> Naturally, and, <laughs> and three months after I ran my first mile, I ran the sleepy hollow half marathon. Wow. And then I, you know, I met some people in my community that I started running with and they were all training for the wine glass marathon that fall. And I was just running all the miles with them mm. and and, and with nothing planned. And then I realized like, if I'm doing this, I should have a marathon, <laughs> you know, I should run a marathon too. And I, um, I was talking to one of my friends who, uh, has a business in New York city. And he said, you know, I can get you into the New York city marathon, but only if you're going to do it. And I was like, well, if you get me in, I'll do it, but you got to get me in. Like, this is a lot of miles to run, nothing, <laughs> you know? And, um, so, so he did, he got me in and then I, I needed a plan and I had um, been such a fan of your podcast and, um, and your books that I, um, I signed up for your training plan and that's what I followed for New York city. And I ran a 352. Wow. Uh, my first marathon. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah. We all need to start lifting 50 pound bags of flour. Fueled by donuts, donuts and 50 pound bags of flour. All right. Yeah. I'm down. I'm yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, switching to um uh not a jokey topic, um, not a laugh-filled topic. Um, in the book you detail a horrific bike accident you had as you were in the final month of training for a half Ironman triathlon. So can you tell us about your injury and your return to sports? Because I'm going to brag for you because I suspect you might not. And it's a spoiler alert that you ran a PR marathon and qualified for Boston a year after the accident. So people can know as you start talking that there is a, that there's happy, a happy uh, ending. Yes. There's a happy ending. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, so it was, uh, just over three years ago. Um, I was in the final month of training for the, um, Ironman Lake Placid, the 70.3 distance. And it would have been my first race at that distance, my first triathlon at that distance. Um, And I was on my last long bike ride of the training plan. It was like supposed to be 50 miles and two miles from home on after I'd already completed the most of the, the ride, somebody opened their car door and I didn't hit the car door, but the road, the roads were really wet. And I um, turned my wheel quickly to avoid the car door and uh, my bike slipped out from under me. Mm. Um, I hit the pavement and shattered my pelvis and had um, significant internal bleeding. Um, I went in for an emergency surgery to reconstruct my pelvis. So now it's held together with two plates and a dozen screws Oh boy. And um, the surgeon told me that I would probably never run again mm-hmm. um, and that it would be a year before I could seriously consider running again. Um, and I, uh, <laughs> I went to um, PT like the second I left the hospital. I was in the hospital <laughs> for two weeks. Uh, and they're like, well, you can go to PT if you want, but you're really not going to be able to do anything. Um, I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk unassisted. Um, it it was really bad. I have a 14 inch scar. They, they took, this is, this is kind of gross. I know it's a family show. They had to like (laughs) remove my, my left leg to get to my pelvis. Um, because like the, the ball joint shattered the, the internal part, you know, it's, it's gross, but, um, yeah. And, and it was, it was really humbling. I couldn't do anything on my own. I couldn't walk. I couldn't put my socks on. My 10 year old daughter was putting my socks on for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm used to being pretty independent and it forced me to be in a position to ask for help. Yeah. Um, which I guess is a good learning experience, but anyway, so I went to PT like the second I could, and I was literally just rotating my ankle, you know, or like <laughs> making these teeny tiny movements. But I went three times a week and I just kept moving to the fullest extent of my ability and what the doctor told me I was allowed to do. I always followed directions. Um, so I didn't, I didn't do anything before the doctors released me to do the next thing, but I just kept moving forward. And, um, and then four months after the accident, I ran a 5k and, um, 
Yeah. And then, and then a year later I ran the wine glass marathon, funny enough. Um, and, and yeah, I, I PR'd, it was a huge PR for me and I qualified for Boston with a six and a half minute buffer. So oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really exciting. And, um, and Meb handed me my medal at the finish line. It was oh like, oh my all God, the feels. Yeah. I don't think I could get any better. I mean, no, oh my no, gosh, right? I was that is just, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I literally got chills when you were saying all that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. So after you came back down to earth, you know, qualifying for Boston, having Meb give you your medal, um, you got back on your bike, which I think is massively impressive because, um, I put myself a little bit when you were describing that accident, I'm like, I don't know if I could get back on your bike, but you in fact did another half Ironman in August of this year, right? Kind of mark, was it to mark the anniversary? Um, well, I never got to do that, the, the race because I was recovering and then COVID. Yeah. So I never, it, I, everything has just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So I finally got my 70.3 this yeah. fall. Yeah. How did you feel about how, like, you know, we don't have to go into depth, but I'm just curious about how it was to get back on the bike. Um, terrifying. It's still terrifying. I definitely, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD, Um, so I have some issues around that. Uh, but I would, so I was in a bike accident in college. Um, and I like, it was just one of those silly things. I was riding across campus on just a regular bike, you know, nothing fancy. And, um, and somebody walked out in front of me and my handlebar clipped their shirt sleeve and I went over the handlebars. Oh boy. Mm. And that was the last time I got on a bike until I started, training for triathlon. So like 20 years of no bike. And I didn't want that to happen again, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was really important for me to get back on the bike. And also the doctors cleared me to ride a bike before I could run. Like running was the very last thing I was cleared to do. So I was in the pool first and then I was on a bike and I physically couldn't get on my bike by myself. So Mm. two people had to lift me onto the saddle on my trainer so I could sit and pedal, but I didn't like, I I was so like, I just needed to move. So, wow. Wow. Rachel, I, you know, when I, when I was reading, we'll run for donuts, you know, I was like, my God, this woman, like, holy cow, you know, like your story, which we're going to go into more. I was just like, she doesn't stop. Like you don't stop. Like we all need your like grit and tenacity. I am just, mm-hmm. I'm very, very, uh, impressed. I love it. So congrats. Yeah. <laughs> congrats yeah. on having that. I, I don't know anything different. I just, I just go, you just do it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so switching sports here, you're also into rock climbing, which seems like a decidedly different pursuit than running. So obviously you're going to go horizontal instead of vertical. Yeah. I mean, you're going vertical instead of horizontal. So getting my axes is mixed up. Um, (laughs) what does rock climbing do for you that maybe running or baking doesn't like what, what void does that fill in your life? Well, so, um, because of my accident, the, my left, my left side, um, the, where they, where they did the incision and everything, the muscles in my, um, like groin area are actually shorter, Mm. like physically shorter. I can't make them longer at this point, you know? (laughs) Um, so my hips are really tight and I found that climbing at the gym, the, you know, was, um, something that I could do to, um, 
uh, it was something that I could do to open my hips and get that horizontal <laughs> movement that you don't get in running, you know, in running, you're always like forward, backward motion and you're never really side to side. Yeah. So really a cross training thing, but I don't like being inside too much. And we have one of the best climbing areas in the entire world, um, mm -hmm. you know, an hour from Montclair. So mm -hmm. I started uh, climbing outside, which is a whole new, um, it's a whole new system to learn. And it's like, every time you climb, it's like solving a puzzle. So you really have to slow down your thinking and slow down your mind and focus on what's right in front of you and forget the rest of the world and, you know, build these tiny little systems to get yourself from the bottom to the top of the mountain. And, you know, working in a business that's customer facing where I'm on 100% of the time going outside and climbing this mountain is the one opportunity that I really have to force myself to slow down and, and look at what's right in front of me. So it's a really kind of meditative thing for me mm. and it's fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, so the book, how did the idea of will run for donuts, how did it come to you? And did you know from the get-go, like when you dreamed it up, that you wanted it to be so beautifully open and honest in detailing the struggles you faced? Yeah, absolutely. I It started out in concept as a memoir with recipes. Oh. And when I was recovering from my accident, I couldn't sleep for more than maybe three hours at a time because the pain was pretty intense. And I didn't, um, I, I wasn't taking any mega pain pills because uh, they made me feel, <laughs> um, they made me slow down. So, um, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I was like, I'm not surprised. And, we, and so Rachel just invited, were all your children born naturally? They were at yeah. home. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to, just wanted that corollary. Thank you. Yeah, they, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed that you <laughs> <laughs> you hit that nail on the head. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, um, yeah, I, I wasn't, I couldn't sleep for more than three hours at a time and I didn't want to bother anybody in my house. So I would just write and I um, kind of kept a blog to update everyone about my progress in recovery. But in that, I also told stories about, you know, growing up and baking and, all sorts of things. And I was approached by a ton of different editors asking if I'd ever considered putting it together in a book. Mm. And so it started as a memoir with recipes and then through the editing process. And I, I mean, you, you've written books, so you, you understand yes. how many times things change. Um, it became a cookbook with essays. Mm -hmm. And my, my partner, Brad is a photographer. Mm -hmm. So, um, they signed the deal with him to do all the photos for the book. So it was just, you know, the perfect collaboration to kind of showcase everything I've been through and where I am today and where the bakery is today. Nice. That's so awesome. Okay, well, so until you came along, Rachel, donuts and run were not words typically found together in a sentence. 
But um, this weekend, you are once again hosting the 5K Donut Run. So tell us about a little bit how that started and gosh, what it, what it looks like today, especially. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's um, the eighth annual 5K Donut Run. So um, like I said, I was not a runner and I also wasn't a donut maker, but I started making donuts on Sundays it started out as like a family meal for the staff. And then the customers were really into it. And all of a sudden there's lines out the door for these donuts every Sunday. And the majority of people in the line were wearing sweaty sports bras and pulling like damp dollars out of them. (laughs) Um, And I was like, this is so disgusting. Who are these people? And um, I, um, Uh, So then at the time, like Facebook was really the only game in town and the Montclair Bread Company Facebook page hit 4,000 likes. And to commemorate that, I decided to host a 4K because I did not know that that wasn't a thing that you did. Um, (laughs) And and give back to this community that's been in line every week, you know? So in two weeks, 125 people registered only I, I would, it wasn't registering. They, they like signed their name on a clipboard. (laughs) Super high tech. (laughs) The course was marked with balloons and chalk. And, um, there was, I stood on a chair and yelled, go, (laughs) And you know, there wasn't timing or anything like that, but there were tables full of donuts when everybody got back. And I'm like, you know what, if, if I could get 125 people to come out in just a couple weeks, what could I do if I really planned this and, um, and turned it into a legitimate race? So over the course of the next year, it became a USATF registered 5K course. Mm-hmm. And the first year we sold out to 750 runners. Wow. And um the last year we hosted the full full scale in person race. So in 2019, mm-hmm. we sold out to 3,000 runners in about oh four gosh. hours. Wait, yeah. and do you, do you make 3,000 donuts then? Or? No, we make 9,000 donuts. Nine, oh because everybody gets a box of donuts, not just one. Oh my wow, goodness. that is awesome. Is that is that their medal? Like quote unquote medal or tell no, me? No, they get a medal way. too. They get wow. a medal too. But in, and, in some years we've we've done gold, silver, and bronze donuts for the age groups. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about and do they get a t-shirt too? I mean, I can imagine like uh, so they used to get a t-shirt, but we have switched over to beanies. So um we did uh we added a kids dash for donuts maybe five years in and my daughter designed this beanie and it was like the thing to have, Mm. you know, all of the kids got the beanies and the adults have the option to buy them and they sold out so fast. And for months people were calling and asking for these beanies. And if you (laughs) drove around Montclair on a cold morning, all the kids at all the bus stops were wearing. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and so the beanies have been like more and more coveted. And this year, um, be, kind of because of COVID and it's really difficult to host a uh, packet pickup and do things mm-hmm. traditionally, mm-hmm. we're giving out 
you know, the one size fits all beanies to everyone instead of the shirts. And then they had the option to buy a shirt. Sweet. Clever. Sweet. Yeah. Clever, clever marketing. I love it. I love it. So, so, um, equally as paradoxical as a, um, donut run, you founded a running club that runs out of the bakery. So, so talk to us about the genesis of the club and, and how it feeds your soul, pun intended, um, <laughs> beca- because it really seems like it does. It does. So after that first year where we sold out to 750 people for the, the donut run, um, what I realized is the reason why this 5k sells out is, um, because it's not runners who are buying the tickets. You know, they wait till register until the morning of, um, which, which doesn't fly for us, but, um, it's my customers and they just want to be a part of what we're doing. And, you know, and, I think the first year it was something like 80% of the participants had never run a 5k. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Way to to grow the sport, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, you know, like me, uh, finding this love of running after running my first 4k, um, that was when I ran my first 2.2 miles was, was the actual 4k that I hosted. Um, So I wanted to keep the community engaged throughout the year in between donut runs and offer them an opportunity to, you know, continue running on a regular basis. And that's how Fueled by Donuts was born. And um, so we started just, my friend Ann and I invited uh, people to run with us at the same times that we were running, which was 5.30 on Tuesday morning. And we had an 8 a.m. Saturday morning meetup. And in the beginning, it was just a couple people. And now on a Saturday, it's nothing to have 100 people show up to run. Um, and there's there's distances. We, we, we planned out these routes around town. So you're never more than two miles, two and a half miles from a water stop, nice. like a, a public fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, our 10-mile loop has cutoffs at five miles, six miles, seven miles. So we can run together for the duration, even if people are doing different distances. Hmm. And then, you know, in the beginning, Anne and I used to run back and forth from the beginning to the end of the pack (laughs) so that nobody was running alone. (laughs) And like, I think we ran two extra miles, making sure that everybody was there. Um, But yeah, there are no drop runs. I know that's a thing for riding, but, um, or cycling, but we, that's how we see the run club. And now it's so big that I don't have to run back and forth anymore. There's always somebody to run with a new person that comes to join. That's so great. Nice. 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 All right. Rachel, as a, as a follow-up, you bring up an interesting point about how you, um, kind of rejigger your training because you're on your feet for eight hours, which I think is probably an underestimation. I bet you're often on your feet for longer than that. I'm intrigued by people, you know, who are nurses, doctors, teachers, people who work in, you know, the service or store industries, uh, retail. And um, what else do you do that, that kind of takes that into consideration when you're training for say a marathon? Um, well, you know, some of the things like I can't always do my long runs on the weekends because that's when I'm busy. So mm-hmm. Sometimes my long runs are like Monday or Tuesday when I'm not mm-hmm. working at the bakery mm-hmm. or another thing that I'll have to do. And I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to own the business so I, I can do this, but, you know, I'll work 
through the hardest part of production, which is like 3 a.m. to 8 or 9 a.m., leave and go out for a run and then come back and finish up my workday. Because, um, you know, if I wait until the end of my work day, I am just so dead that there's, there's no way it's going to happen. Um, but kind of as a rule, I try to get the run in early or first before I'm on my feet, because, um, I, I personally, I'm just, I can't, I can't keep it up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you wear a, um, a step counter or, you know, do you wear like an Apple watch or a Garmin or something that counts your steps? I, I guess I do. I never look at it. It, it does. Um, I, I wear a Coros and it does count my steps, but I never, I, I know it dings like two hours into my day to tell me that I <laughs> reached my goal, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I used, right, to, I want, live, oh, I used oh. to live right across the street from the bakery. So the amount of times, like I'd go back and forth across the street was ridiculous. (laughs) Um, So I want to pivot for a second to talk baking and this, I, hopefully this doesn't come across as crass, um, but I'm curious uh, about the great British baking show. And if you've watched it and how you, if you have not, then that's the end of the question. But if you've seen episodes, like how realistic do you think it is? And, um, (laughs) and how much is a proving door cost? Cause I drawer, cause I kind of like the idea of just having one. (laughs) Oh my God. Don't, don't buy a proving door. Oh, okay. Okay. Don't do that. I don't. Okay. I'm a professional baker. I make between two and 3000 donuts on a weekend day. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a proofer. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> at room temperature. No, yeah, so, no, I was kind of kidding about that, but I just love, I love how- No, no, but I mean, like, it's like, yes. yeah, yeah. So, but I do, I love that show. I think that's, I think the, as in terms of baking shows, I think that one's more realistic than, you know, most of the American <laughs> baking ones. Shows. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, and, I, and I love it. There, there is, I love that they are introducing, you know, young people to these super classic desserts that, you know, I learned how to make in culinary school, but you would never see, you know, now. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you see the episode where the woman proofed her bread in the lizard cage? No. No. Yeah. Oh my God. It was warm. <laughs> oh, it was can- crazy. I wow. can kind of smell the lizard cage from oh, here. I'm not loving that idea. <laughs> well, and in your answer about the proving drawer again, I like I've never proofed bread in my life, so I'm kind of just being funny. Um, but I am intrigued by it. And mostly because after reading your book, like you make everything sound so accessible. Like I would say before, there's no way that I could make donuts, but now I'm like, hey, maybe my daughter's really into baking. I'm like, maybe when she gets home, we'll try it, you know? Like, and I just love that you're like, you don't need this. You don't need that. This is, yeah. you know, this is what I had. I mean, you tell a story about, I mean, what, what, you know, your, your grandmother's kitchen, it was tiny. You have minimal equipment. I mean, talk a little bit about your philosophy. I mean, which was a little yeah. bit of practicality, right? Absolutely. I, um, so I'm, I'm really, it makes me so happy that you picked up on that because that's really my goal in, in sharing these recipes and writing the book the way that I did, um, I, I want it to be accessible and I don't want it to be scary. And I, you know, there's so many books out there 
that just preach about precision and times and temperatures and and it's overwhelming. And well, especially with like, baking too. Yeah. Baking, I feel like has to like I feel like you know with tacos you can riff a little bit, but baking feels like you have to be really <laughs> yeah, precise, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, and you know it's funny because I've actually gotten like some of the negative reviews I've gotten of the book have been because I didn't use weight measurements, um, which is like the professional standard. And um, during the pandemic, I started sharing recipes with my community on Instagram. They're still there. So if anybody wants to like really dig back Um, (laughs) and um, and I, I put everything in volume measure. So cups and teaspoons. And I was able to connect with the community in a way that I never had. And, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when I was a young baker, mm-hmm. uh, I swore that I would never dumb stuff down and I would <laughs> only use the, the professional standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized how far, how much farther the reach is by, by making everything accessible. And it was just such a positive, rewarding experience to see people making my grandma's carrot cake in their kitchen. And, and you know, it was just so awesome. So, uh, you know, it, and I've taken a lot of professional classes too. And it's just like so overwhelming, um, the, the level of detail. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, mm-hmm. if you're making two loaves of bread at home, who cares what the water temperature is? Like, is it hot <laughs> or is it cold? You know? like, um, so, so I really, I tried really hard to put that into words and like doubled in size. Do you mm. remember what it looked like in before it doubled right. in size? Like nobody knows what doubled in size means. Yeah, so particularly I something that's to, round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I tried to share some techniques for for really understanding those things a little bit more and making it super accessible and and um, you know not having to break the bank um, on fancy tools. Like it's really simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we, we appreciate it. I, I'm sure that, um, the readers and the listeners of it will as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's shift gears once again and, and talk a little bit more about your personal slash romantic life, if that's okay. And, and, um, as I said, your book is very candid and, um, revealing and, um, there's an essay in your book, um, about how your success broke down the fabric of your first marriage. And, and I think, um, that's woefully common in our society, Um, so I think others would benefit from hearing you talk about it, if you will. Yeah. You know, um, shortly after my, um, my ex-husband and I were married, we hit and, and our daughter was born. Um, we were right into that recession in, in 2008. Uh Um, and he was out of work. And I was the sole income for our family, our little family. And then our family started growing um, and to the point where I had three kids, um, a husband at home who wasn't working and a job that didn't pay me a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So um, the bakery actually kind of was born from that need for another revenue stream into our household. Uh, and I continued working my corporate gig. Uh, it was it was a baking job, but it you know um, it was someone else was paying my bills, and at the same time ran my my little Montclair bread company 
um, to give my husband, you know, um, an income. <laughs> so he was like working there and I was working the corporate gig and, and it's just like the resentment grew and grew. And, um, so it, it just, it became really hard and, and it was, you know, an emotionally abusive situation. So here I'm out like winning awards and doing all this great stuff in the community and being recognized, um, nationally and then coming home and being like screamed at and told what a horrible person I am and terrible mother and you know all of this and so it was really hard and the older my daughter got the more it became um, apparent to me that I couldn't stay in that situation because mm. I would I would just like be devastated if I found out that she was being treated the way that I was being treated because mm. she witnessed, you know, mm -hmm. me, um, and, and my marriage. So, so yeah, it's, it's hard. It's like, you never really know. I, and I know what, what's that, um, what's the word that they, they are saying, uh, toxic positivity, oh. <laughs> that like the saying the buzz this year. Yeah. But you, it's true though, you know, people don't share that. So going back to what you asked me earlier, it was so important for me to share this in the book because I felt so stuck for so long. I don't have family nearby. You know, I, I, I'm not a huge earner. So, um, and every dime I had in savings went to keep the bakery running. Um, so it was really difficult for me to finally leave that situation. And I just wanted to tell that story so that other people who feel really stuck know that there's like a light at the end of the tunnel and there's a way out. That's, that's really uh, important. Yeah. And yeah, I think uh, I agree. I heard toxic positivity for the first time. Um, gosh, I think at like the end of November and I was like, oh, I love that. <laughs> like, yeah. not, I don't love the idea of it, but I love, you know, I, I think it, I love the phrasing of it. And I love yeah. that um, someone has named this thing that, you know, that Instagram kind of perpetrates, right? Right. Um, so speaking of Instagram though, <laughs> because you put your good news up there for a reason, right? You want people to know about it and see it. Yeah. Uh, we were delighted to see that you are now engaged to a marathon runner. So tell us about that. <laughs> Funny enough, I was the marathon runner. He was a miler when we met. Oh. Uh, he actually, he was a miler in college. He ran for Seton Hall, um, All-American, um, and then ran professionally briefly for Adidas after wow. college. Wow. Yeah. So um, he's like the real deal. Um, I think 403 mile was his holy wow. cow yeah wow. yeah yeah but when i met him he was he was running on shore road in brooklyn with this group of like 60 year old dudes like <laughs> just you know old school sweatpants like you know keeping it casual and i didn't know his background when i knew he was a runner that that's what we connected over um but i didn't know like his accomplishments uh -huh. and um and i was i think i was like two or no i guess we started dating in october and i ran the new jersey state uh or the new jersey marathon that spring so i was training when we met and he ran with me to support me in that race. Mm -hmm. And um, that was there's, his first marathon. 
I was and, say, that's, a, that's a test of a relationship right there, Rachel. If you guys can make it through with him next to you for 26 miles, like that's pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't. He ran ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we crossed the finish line together. There was a lot of him running back and forth. Um, but um, yeah. And then actually, so he met a bunch of people through my Fueled by Donuts running club and you know started training at his level and he just ran boston in 252 oh my gosh wow. i think it was 252 wow. something like that wow yeah he'll correct you later if you got it wrong. yeah Sorry. i know yeah. <laughs> he, he definitely will down to the second uh, yeah and and he just started a youth running program for our community so oh. um i don't know if this is the case in any in every community, but here in Montclair, um, there's support for kids in high school who want to run cross country or track, but in the lower grades, there isn't anything available unless, well, there is for girls because girls on the run is huge here, which is fantastic. My daughter did it. Um, but for, for boys or for co-ed, there isn't anything. So he started this Montclair youth running program and now he, um, he has, I think between like 75 and hundred kids every week coming wow. out, um, and, and, um, having fun on the track and he teaches running through games and like they play sharks and minnows and stuff like that. And it's a lot of fun. And, um, and they started competing at meets. So, so it's, it's, it's great. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great relationship and, and, um, he, he tries to stay with me. He stays with me when it's just the two of us running. He'll like run me through my workouts and I'm incredibly grateful for that. But if we're in a race together and he's going to like pace me through a 5k, um, the last time that happened, somebody elbowed him on the starting line and I didn't see him again. That <laughs> <laughs> so, well, <laughs> like, you know, teenage, um, teenage competitive Street, yeah, yeah. you know, just comes out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so I'm curious, are you gonna bake your own wedding cake? Or do you have a date set or is I it do. just kind of it's, um, we are getting married on Memorial Day weekend um mm -hmm. at the bakery? There's actually uh, the the bakery's attached to an event space. Um, and and so we're kind of combining spaces and and uh his family's in Pennsylvania and mine's in Maryland, so we figured that you know the bakery is kind of a central point for both. Um, yeah. I will be involved in the making of my wedding cake. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was told I'm not allowed to make it, but I will be involved in it. It's coming out of my bakery. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's, I just think it sounds like you all put, both of you put so much good out into your community through running. So um, our hats are off to, to both. Our beanies are off to both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been lovely talking with you, Rachel. Thank you so much. And we wish you all the best with your Andrews McNeil book. So, yeah. <laughs> our joint Thank publisher. You. Yeah. This is really like a dream come true for me guys. Oh. Uh, you know, I've admired you both for so long. So I, I really, uh, am very grateful to be a guest. Um, oh, you're so you're sweet. You are yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm kicking oh, my myself too. Right. Caller. 
<laughs> you guys listen to Brian Lear ever, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I was just in Montclair, which I can't even believe. Um, I did not no. put the two together. Well, not just at the end of September. So, but recently. And so, but I have a friend there, a good friend there for, that was my um, roommate in New York city way back in the day. So next time I'm there. Oh my gosh, you have to come come for a group run. (laughs) I will do that. And some donuts. Yeah, I was about to say, I might just stay for the donuts, but yeah, I'll I'll come. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you and best wishes to you and your fiance, Rachel. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Love her. I know. Oh my gosh. Honestly, like I'm just kicking myself that I didn't go there. Um, I didn't put it together um, until, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to visit a place to be like, oh, Montclair. This was you. She was your suggestions. So. I know. I know. But I didn't, I didn't know that she was in yeah. Montclair, you know, like yeah, it yeah. all can't comes together. And that yeah. picture we, we, um, her zoom picture that we saw, I mean, she's got this beautiful, old warehouse or something, you know, that's lit up. It, it just looks like the place that you just want to go in and eat all the carbs. I just, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag eat all the carbs. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, Dimity, we had an exciting thing happen on Monday of this week. We opened up registration for 2022. Many happy miles. As you know, that we did that. Uh, our, <laughs> we did? Our, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> our membership, our subscription program for uh, 12 months, 365 days of workouts. Um, so Dim, since that is your baby in our business, I want you to, um, talk up the baby, talk up the cuteness of the baby, (laughs) the cuteness of the baby. Well, it's, it's no vanilla, you know, or chocolate donut with sprinkles, but, um, it is in fact, what you said, 12 months of unique workouts. Every month has a theme. Um, and every month also has strength circuits as well as a lifestyle challenge. It could be anything from, push-ups to, um, having a gratitude journal for the month to, um, creating a habit, um, really fun stuff. We have expert workshops that, uh, come in, I wouldn't say every month, but they're pretty regular. I would say eight to nine months. Um, everything we've got a couple pro runners that I don't Mm want to leak yet, but we're excited about that. Um, we've got, uh, you know, nutrition, sports nutritionists come in. Um, we had a home organization expert this year who was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, just really cool, ways to connect with each other. Um, and then we have live workouts. We have 15 this year, we have two new features. Um, Mm -hmm. one is 15% off year long in the AMR store. So gear and as well as off of all of our training programs. So if you, you know, want to run a half marathon in the fall, you know, uh, many happy miles will keep you consistent going up to it. You do your half marathon training program, and then you get a cute tank to cross the finish line in. I mean, it's win-win, right? Um, <laughs> saving, saving 15% off it. Yeah. 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 That's a and, lot. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah. And, and the, I, I mean, I go ahead. Wait, tell, tell what the other one is. It's the, um, the ask the physical therapist. Yeah. Of, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. we have a uh, Christy Diller who is a longtime um, AMR, uh, devotee, or I don't know, community member, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. and she, uh, is coming in with, um, a move of the month as well as ask the PT. So um, we're gonna have kind of building people up from the bottom up. And um, we just did a podcast about this. And so it's very fresh on my mind. And um, it's not always like the sexiest stuff, um, but it's the stuff that makes a difference and keeps you injury free. And often it's the stuff that we neglect because you know we're making donuts and training for marathons and taking care of kids and all that kind of stuff. And so um, doing it as a group, and doing it with a leader um, who is very knowledgeable and accessible and wants you guys to succeed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm really, really excited for that. I'm, yeah. I'm excited for all of it, but um, yeah. So check it out. Go to um, anothermotherrunner.com under training. There is a, under the training column there, it says many happy miles, go check it out. It's $199 for the year, which is less than $20 a month. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like if you take advantage of one or two things, um, and there's, we feed you a lot <laughs> in many happy miles, you're going to get your money's worth. And more importantly, you're going to stay consistent and stay connected to this amazing community of supportive, energetic, funny women. And, um, it can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, that is our many happy miles program and, um, registration goes throughout the month of December until I think Jan- uh, January 7th is when we close uh, the right? 9th, actually we're going January to- 9th. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Sunday, the 9th is when we close registration and then the program kicks off on January 1st. So please join us. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from sounds like pictures, many happy, um, uh, sparkle or uh, sprinkle, on. sprinkle, <laughs> sprinkles, not sparkle, many happy sprinkle filled miles. <laughs>